Good morning, everyone. Shalom Aleichem, Ruchem Abam, to the Kolel Agra de Perka. Monday afternoon, National Shear. Welcome, everyone. We have an amazing topic today. Today we're going to learn about a mitzvah that most people, not only have they not fulfilled in their whole life, they're not even aware of. They didn't even know it was a mitzvah. And I'm very excited to tell you about this mitzvah and about another uh, great opportunity. Be'ezus Hashem, the English Haggadah for Art Scroll is um, being submitted to print, Be'ezus Hashem, this week. So if anybody would like to be Mishtatev, we're, uh, this is almost your last chance, and Be'ezus Hashem will be a, a very um, important work. A lot of material is in this Haggadah that's not in the Hebrew Sefer. A lot of it is uh, new material that we have not uh, ever brought to the uh, light of day yet. Today's topic, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu relays to the people. Vayoymer Moshe Elham al-tirahu hisyatzivu Stand, brace yourselves, and see the salvation of God. That which you see Egypt today, you shall never see them again. Simply, this is just Darach Sipur. It's narrative. You see Egypt today, you'll never see them again. However, there is a sefer called Kaftar Vaferach. Kaftar Vaferach was written by one of the great Jewish travelers. His name was Rav Ashturi Haparchi. We've spoken about him. We in history there have been many great Jewish travelers. Rav Ashturi Haparchi was one of the earliest. You have Rav Benjamin Benjamin of Tudila. You have Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai. You have Rav Yosef Schwartz. Kaftar Vafarach was a Rishon of Provence, and in his, uh, I want to thank my friend Rabbi Gedalia Schwartz, he got me the Sefer, I don't know, going back like eight years ago. He brings, he was, by the way, the Rabbi Shurya Parach was a student of the Rush. He says, anyone who lives in the land of Egypt violates three laven. Says Rabbi Shurya Parachi, I heard when I was in Egypt from a descendant of the Rambam, Rav Shmuel, that the Rambam would sign his name. He would conclude, Moshe ben Maimon, Ha'oiver b'cholyoim shloisho lavin. Moses ben Maimon, who violated every day three prohibitions in the Torah. What, what were the three lavin he was over? The three lavin were, there are three lavin in the Torah to live in Egypt. And says Rav Ashuri HaParchi, when I met the descendant of the Rambam, I gave him like a half of a consolation. I said, well, maybe the Rambam was muchach to remain in Egypt because he was the sultan's physician. He didn't have a choice. And we know that under duress there are certain prohibitions that one is allowed to violate, especially if somebody's in politics, like Avtulas ben Ruvain. He had a certain kind of Roman haircut because of his political position. So too, the Rambam had no choice. He could not leave Egypt because of his position. What are the three lavin? One is this week's parsha. The next is in Shoiftim. 
Don't collect a lot of horses. Now, this is a very important topic. for Because I know a lot of you out there on the shirt today, you're thinking of purchasing many horses. So I just wanted to let you know. Don't get a lot of horses. Don't bring the people back to Mitzrayim. In order to procure many horses. God said to you, do not again return on that road. Now, this is a very important Pasuk. Because had it just been for the Pasuk this week's parsha, you would have thought it's merely a narrative. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, look at them now, you'll never see them again. But not that it's usher to see them again. But in Pasha Shoftim, Hashem says, I don't want you going back to Egypt. I told you, don't go back there. Meaning, not only is Hashem saying now that it's also to go back, Hashem is pointing out that what He said earlier was also an answer not to go back. And furthermore, in Parshas Kisavai, we have um, a Pasuk, and it's very interesting that every time the Torah speaks about the prohibition of returning to Egypt, it, the trap on the Pasuk is, Muna is a Zarka Segal, Veheshivcha that's in the So there are three lavin in the Torah not to return to Mitzrayim. In fact, the Rambam paskins in the Sefer HaMitzvahs in Loisase Memvav in the 46th lav, he says. God warns us from living in Egypt forever so that we should not learn from their kefira, their heresy, and not go in their ways. It says it in Shoftim, and it's repeated, the Ramam says, three times, like the Mechilta says in three Mechaimites, Hashem warned the Jewish people not to return to Mitzrayim. One is Ki in Shoftim. One is in Kisavai, and one is in Bishalach. And the Rambam says, as it is well known, that the great city of Alexandria is included in the cities that you can't live in. So don't think, well, I can't live in Cairo, but I can live in Alexandria. No, um, do not live, not in Cairo, and not in Alexandria. And... Um, the Rambam says if you want to know the size of Egypt, it's basically 400 parsa by long by 400 parsa wide. That is the entirety of um, the Egypt that you're not allowed to live. The Rambam, likewise, in Hilchas Malach and Parakeh, Halachazayin and Ches, Paskins, that it's mutter to live in the whole world. You want to live in Williamsburg? You're allowed to live in Williamsburg. You want to live in Muncie? You're allowed to live in Muncie. You want to live in Kew Garden Hills? Gesundheit. You want to live in Cedarhurst? No problem. However, from the only place in the world you're not allowed to live is Egypt. From the Yamagado, from the Mediterranean Sea, west, 400 parsa by 400 parsa, opposite Ethiopia, opposite the desert, it's all usher. To live there, three places in the Torah, the Torah warns us not to go there. However, the Ramam says, you could go there for business. You could go there uh, en route to conquer other lands. It's only us to dwell there permanently. 
And then the Rambam says something very interesting. You don't get Malkus for this love. And that's a Pella. Why don't you get Malkus? L'chayra, it's a love, sheyesh by Maisa. It's a love that has an action. Because you're going to live there. The Rambam says, you're allowed, the reason why it's considered a love she'eim by Maisa is you're allowed to go in. There's no Isser to go in. The Isser is, once you're there, you have to leave. So that's a love she'eim by Maisa. That's a love that doesn't have an act. But says the Rambam, if a Jewish king wants to conquer Egypt through a Bezdin, it's permitted. And then the Jewish people could go live there. So he said, Rabbi Gladstein, wait a second. You said this year is about a mitzvah that nobody knows about. And so far we're learning only about a sin that it is usher to live in Egypt. Well, you got to hold your horses, no pun intended. Now, if you're going to hold your horses, you should hold horses that don't come from Egypt but you're not allowed to hold your horses that come from Egypt, like we mentioned before. Now, here's the million-dollar question. If we're learning that you're not allowed to live in Egypt, and it says three times in the Torah you're not allowed to live in Egypt, then there were many G'dayle Yisrael in history that in fact lived in Egypt. The son of the Rambam remained in Egypt, lived in Egypt. Reb Sad Yagoin lived in Egypt. Rabbi Salal Ashkenazi, the Shita Mekubetzas, lived in Egypt. The Arizal, he lived in Egypt. The Radvaz, the Rav of Cairo for 40 years, lived in Egypt. Who? The Maharam al-Shakar, uh, who lived from 1470 to 1546, lived in Egypt. Rabbi Avram Halevi, the Ginas Varadim. Rabbi Yaakov Kashturi, the Marikash, who lived from 1650 to 1712. Rabbi David Confarto from 1618 to 1677. Rabbi Eliezer Ashkenazi. They all lived in Egypt. And most notably, the Rambam. He lived in Egypt. How could these G'dayla Yisrael have lived in the one place in the world God said you're not to live? You want to live somewhere? Live in Cedarhurst. That you're allowed to live there. But you're not to live in Egypt. Why would these G'dayla live in the one place you're not to live? So today we're going to explore 10 to live in Egypt. So you say, but you said the shir is about a mitzvah that nobody knows about. You gotta, you gotta hang in with me. You gotta hold your horses. We're going to learn about a mitzvah that most people don't know about. The first answer, how could the Rambam and other G'dayla live in Egypt? The answer is, it was usher for them to live in Egypt. They were great people and they served Hashem but in this area, they did not do the right thing. And we don't need any more evidence than the Rambam who signed his name. He violates every day three lavin. Now, that's not the, the most satisfying answer, but that's the simplest way to understand what the Rambam himself writes. Answer number two. Approach number two. Rabbeinu B'chayi. Rabbeinu B'chayi Parsha Shoftim says, Mitzvah zu l'sha. This mitzvah is only temporary uh, command. Kedei shela yomadu Yisrael ma'aseyim. So that the Jewish people do not learn from their actions. So the Mitzrayim were notorious in every abomination. Like it says, Kamasei Eretz Nisayim lo'itasu. So therefore Hashem commanded that don't live there. But it's not a mitzvah of doyrois. 
we see Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says many communities live there from then till now. If it was the mitzvah of Dairois, Klal Yisrael Chas Hashem Kedoshim would not be lenient. And if they, they were, then the Chacham of every generation would be Moicha. So the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar's opinion is clear that this was a, only a mitzvah le doirais, but not a mitzvah, this was a mitzvah le shah, v'loi mitzvah le doirais. Here's the problem with Rabbeinu Bechayi. First of all, this doesn't work for the Rambam, because we know the Rambam lists not living in Egypt as one of the 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. One of the main principles of the Rambam is in order for a mitzvah to be on the, the list of the 613 mitzvahs, only, we only list mitzvahs that are l'doirois. We don't list mitzvahs that are l'shah, according to the Rambam. So this is not going to work for the Rambam. Furthermore, we have a famous historical account that seems to indicate that this answer is not correct. The Gemara and Sukkah on Nunalif on the base tells us that if somebody did not see the great edifice in Alexandria of Mitzrayim, they never saw the glory of the Jewish people. If anyone did not see the Sanhedrin, of the Jewish people in Egypt, they never saw the honor of the Jewish people. They had chamber within chamber, many, many seats, to hold two times the number of Jews that left Egypt. The number, in other words, the membership in Alexandria, Shomitzrayim, was 1.2 million. And they had 71 golden chairs for the Sanhedrin Gedoyla. Each chair was no less than 21 myriad of talents of silver. 21 myriad of 10,000 kikar of gold. And there was a beam in the middle, and there was a chazan, and it was so large that people could not hear the chazan, so in order to answer Amen, they waved the flag. And the Gemara says, they were all killed by Alexandros Mokdan. Why? Because they violated that which it says, Hashem said, don't go back to Egypt. And they went back, so they were wiped out. By the way, the Hagois Maharav Ranchberg takes out Alexandros Mokdan because how could Alexandria have been wiped out by Alexandria's Moktam. Alexandria was named after Alexander. So obviously, it was after his time. But in any event, this whole community was wiped out because they returned to Egypt. But according to Rabbeinu Bechaye, it was only prohibited to return to Egypt in that generation. It was not a love that was said Ladoirois. This Gemara seems to indicate that in fact, it is a, throughout all history, it is prohibited to return to Egypt. But that's the second approach, that the Isser of living in Egypt is only l'shah, v'loi l'dairais. Comes the Radvaz. The Radvaz was the Rav of Cairo for four, 40 years. He wrote more than two, uh, he wrote more than 2,500 shuvas. And he wants to know what did the communities rely on that they lived in <coughs> Egypt. Um, the Radvaz says that some want to say the Torah only answers you 
to return to Egypt on that road, meaning from Eretz Yisrael. But you're allowed to go to Egypt from any other land. And the Radvan says this is not a sufficient reason, because one of the Psukim says, Loi oid. But what are you going to do with the other psukim that says loy soisif oid leroisa ad oilam? And well, maybe it's only usher to stay there permanently, but not to stay there temporarily. But nowadays, people just go there for business or for other purposes. Then. It says Rav Azza, could be that if somebody goes there temporarily, even if he ends up staying, that's not a Do'iraisa, it's just Asr, but because it's very difficult to leave, they rely on staying. However, that's not Masha and the Rambam, because the Rambam says, um, the, the Rambam is Mashma, that not only is it Asr to go there permanently, it's Asr to stay there permanently. So he says it could be other Rishonim disagree with the Rambam, but the Ravaz wants to know, so what's the Rambam going to do? Because the Rambam himself holds that you're not allowed to stay there, you're not allowed to live there to stay. Says Ravaz, you're going to ask a question on the Rambam. The Rambam was an Onus. The Rambam was uh, under duress because he was the doctor of the Sultan, so he had no choice. He had no... So therefore, since he was an Onus, he was allowed to stay. What about me, says Radvaz? Well, me also. I went there to learn Taira. Then I went there to teach Taira. And I opened the yeshiva. And I'm allowed to do that. So Rav Asherai says, we see from the Radvaz that the Radvaz has an expanded definition of Oynas. Oynas is not only where your life is threatened. Oynas is also, if let's say, a person um, lives somewhere. So you say, oh, pick yourself up and leave. You can't just pick yourself up and leave. You have a job, you have a family, you're settled. You can't just pick yourself up and leave. That's called an oinus. By the way, that's a very uh, important um, halachic principle to be aware of. That let's say, uh, when it comes to many things in life, oinus doesn't just mean that somebody's coercing you to be somewhere. Oinus means that once a person's living somewhere, it's not realistic or practical necessarily just to pick yourself up and leave, no matter how important the cause is. That's what the Radvaz seems to be saying. Um, here, so that is approach number three. He was an Onus. Let's learn approach number four. Hagois Maimonis. Hagois Maimonis, Rab Meir ben Rabbi Kusil Hakoyen, a student of Marami Rotenberg. He says something very interesting. He says, we don't have any real heter unless we explain like the Re'im. You know when you're now to go to Egypt? You're now to go to Egypt from Israel. But you're allowed to go live in Egypt from Cedarhurst, from Muncie, from Williamsburg. The Torah says, don't go back to Egypt on this road, meaning from Eretz Yisrael. <clears throat> but according to that, you would be allowed to go to Egypt um, 
from other lands. That's the fourth heter, that's the fourth approach given by the Hagos Maimonis. The Minchas Asher of Asher Weiss questions this, because if you look in the writings of the Chida, the Chida says that the Rambam came to Egypt from the port of Akko. So it means the Rambam came from Egypt, uh, came from Eretz Yisrael. So this answer is not going to work for Rabbeinu Moshe ben Maimon. By the way, um, the Uraim, Rabbi Lazar Mimitz, supports this approach that it's only usher to go back from Israel, but from other lands you're allowed to. He supports this approach with the Gemara and Sanhedrin on Dav Tzadi Gimel. The Gemara wants to know, you know, after Daniel was thrown into the lions then, where did he go? What happened to him? So the Gemara brings the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan. He went to get pigs from Alexandria of Mitzrayim. What do you mean he went to get pigs from Alexandria of Shal Mitzrayim? But you're now to go to Egypt. So Tzariah says the Uraim that it's only usher to go to Egypt from Israel. But Daniel was going from Bavel. So this proves that the Isra of going to Egypt is only... The Isra of going to Egypt is only if you go from Eretz Yisrael. Now, I would, I would humbly uh, say this is not a proof because Daniel wasn't going to live in Egypt permanently. He was just going there to bring bring over some merchandise that the Rambam already said you're allowed to go to Egypt for business. So this doesn't prove that you're allowed to go to Egypt from other lands other than Israel because you have to understand why how long Daniel was going there. He wasn't going there permanently. He was going there as a temporary measure. Now, Approach number five. This comes from Rabbi Yosef Shal Halevi Natanzan. You know, in Parshas Masay, it talks about the various encampments of the Jewish people when they left Egypt. Does anybody know how many stops did the Jewish people make on their way out of Egypt? They made Mem Bez Masais, 42 stops. So the question is, why does the Torah have to record all the various places the Jewish people stopped when they left Egypt? They went to Mara, they went to Ramses, they went to Sukkot, they went to Be'esam, Be'elim, Al-Hayam. Says Rabbi Yosef Shalevi Natanzan in his Sefer, Divrei Yosef, on Parshas Masai. There's a lav in the Torah that we're not allowed to go back to Egypt. But if we're medayi carefully in the Lashon of the Psukim, the Torah just says, don't go back to Egypt on the road that you came out of. So he says it's possible that the Issa of returning to Egypt is only if you take that exact road that the Jewish people left Egypt. Now, how would we know what that exact road is? Therefore, the Torah delineates the 42 Masais, the 42 stops that the Jewish people made on their way out of Egypt. They went from here to there, they went back to there, they went back to the Yam, they went to Mara. And this way, now we know that this is the path that the Jewish people took on their way out of Mitzrayim. Now it would come out according to Rabbi Yosef Halevi Natanzan that this love is basically obsolete because who could even possibly retrace the steps that the Jewish people took when they left Mitzrayim? So it would come out a very big heter according to Rabbi Yosef 
that the only Isser is if you take that exact root out of the land, um, back to the land of Egypt. Approach number six, the smag, Ramosha Mikutsi. He asks, how could so many communities have gone back to live in Egypt, including the Rambam, the Gam Rabbeinu Moshe ben Maimon, the Smag asks. And he says a, a very wondrous answer. He says, maybe, and by the way, this answer is given by um, the Prichadash as well. Um, on the Rambam in Hilchas Malachim, and this answer is based on another comment of the Rambam. The Rambam says in Hilchais Yisurei Bia that when Sancherev went up, he mixed up all the nations. Ba Sancherev ubilbel kala umais, and he exiled them, and the Mitzrayim in Mitzrayim, are a different nationality. And the Romans are not Edom. And since they're all mixed up, so it's permitted to uh, to marry these nationalities, whether an Edomi, whether a Mitzri, whether an Amoni, or a Mayavi. Well, says the Smag, in that case, if the if Sancherev was Ba'am, <coughs> so then maybe nowadays you're allowed to live in Mitzrayim. Because Egyptians are not Egyptians. The nationality, the ethnicity of the people has been completely discombobulated and changed up. So maybe Bizman Azeh, you're allowed to live in Mitzrayim, says the Smag. The problem, though, is, the Smag asks, that even though Sancherev came and mixed up all the nations, we find that Rabbi Yehoshua argues on that in Masech Yadayim, and Rabbi Shua holds that God gave Mitzrayim a 40-year limit, whereupon he gathered them back to their land. So that shows that, number one, Mitzrayim was the one nation that even though Sancherim mixed up, they had a return. Number two, if in fact the issue of returning to Mitzrayim is obsolete because the Mitzrayim are no longer there, then why did Hashem punish the city of Alexandria? Alexandros, but that was after the time that Sancherev came and he mixed up all the nations of the world. And even so, the Jewish people were punished for returning to Egypt. So we see the Isser is irrespective of the people. The Isser is on the land. So it's not dependent on the people, it's dependent on the Aretz. By the way, the Prichadosh in his commentary on the Rambam, the Mayim Chaim, also asked this question. They don't just rely on the fact that Basan because clearly the fact that Alexander so Mitzrayim was punished means that it's an Isra on the land but not on the people. Ravasha Weiss points out that clearly the Isra is on the land and not the people because the Rambam himself Paskins, you're not allowed to live in Egypt today even though it's the Rambam himself who says you could marry an Egyptian today because the Egyptians are no longer the Egyptians. So that means the Rambam personally holds that living in Egypt is not dependent on the people, it's dependent on the land.
Number seven. Here's another approach. This comes from Shailus Tshuvas Rabbi Yosef Shal Halevi Natanzan, the Shailomeshev, who By the way, the largest body, the largest corpus of oral law ever written by man since the Gemara is Shaosetshuva Shailomeshev. He writes that maybe it is only usur for the Jewish people to return to Egypt en masse, nationally. But there's no isur for individuals to return to Mitzrayim. By the way, even though this, I would say this is not mashed on the Rambam, because the Rambam says, it's only usher to return individually. That implies that the Isser is on individuals, but the Shalmashim suggests that perhaps that the Isser is only to return uh, as nationally. Number eight. The Shalsachubas Radvaz himself. Shalsachubas Radvaz, Chelek Dalid, Simon Ayin Gimel. He says that it's only Asr to go to Egypt if you plan on staying there long term. But if you just go by yourself or you're just going temporarily and your plan is to ultimately go back to Eretz Yisrael, which is always our plan. Uh, it is permitted to go there. He says, Even though the Torah says, don't return on that road, because since we don't go there, to remain there, only to dwell there, so when until we get to Eretz Yisrael, then we are not over the love. Finally, the Ritva. The Ritva in Mesech Yuma. The Ritva is bothered well, in light of the prohibition of returning to Egypt, Tmiya Milsa, what does the world rely on nowadays to live in Mitzrayim, like the Rambam and other Gedolim? He says, well, Bastan Chevu Bilbal Kalaumais, and you have the answer with Lezer Mimitz, it's only us to go from Eretz Yisrael. But it, what is more correct, says the Ritva, is, you know when it's us to live in Eretz, to live in Egypt? That's only when the Jewish people are dwelling in their land. So when you have the opportunity to dwell in a autonomous Eretz Yisrael, you may not live in Egypt. But nowadays, that unfortunately we're in Golas, and we're all over the world, all Chutz Laaretz is equal, and there's no Isser to live Davkanar in, in Mitzrayim. Meaning, when the Jewish people are happily in control of the land of Israel, then you could live in Chutz Laaretz, you're just not allowed to live in Egypt. But when you're not, when Kal Yisrael are, don't have control of Eretz Yisrael, then there's no specific prohibition to live in Egypt. All Egypt and Cedarhurst are exactly the same. The same way you can live in Cedarhurst, you can live in Egypt, says the Ritva. Now, we're gonna see that this answer and this rationalization may have a discrepancy, and there might be a differentiation. Bizman Hazeh. I will point out that we mentioned that the city of Alexandria Shomitzrayim was destroyed, was wiped out because they returned to Egypt. 
and that seemed to indicate that the uh, the heter of living in Egypt because Basan Chevu Bilbo Kala Umais does not apply because clearly it did not apply to Alexandria Shomitzrayim. But in general, you could ask: living in Egypt is only a lav; it's not punishable by death. How would in any way that the Isra of living in Egypt account for the very severe and harsh punishment that the Jewish people uh, were encountered living in Alexandras, in Alexandria. So there's an interesting Marsha. The Marsha says that it wasn't so much about the fact that the Jewish people violated the Lav, but rather in Sefer Yirmiya we find that the remnant of the exile asked of Yirmiya what they should do. Should they go back to Egypt? And they took an oath that they're going to follow Yirmiya's prophecy. And Yirmiya said, don't go to Egypt, and you're going to face the sword, and you're going to die there. And they went there. So it's not so much that they went... It's not so much they violated the lav. Maybe the lav was obsolete, but they specifically violated the commitment they made to adhere to the advice of Yermia Hanavi. My advice, I want to share with you a tenth approach. This is a more Kabbalistic approach. And that is the idea that why do we go to, into Golas in general? The reason we go into Golas, the reason for the Klal dispersal all over the world is there's an idea that there are sparks of Kedusha throughout the world that we need to gather, we need to collect them, and we need to redeem them, and we need to rectify them. And when we left Egypt, we emptied them out. There were no more sparks of Kedusha. We were able to extract and collect every last spark of Kedusha that existed all over the, uh, Egypt. So says the Chida. Here's the thing. When the Jewish people went back there in the times of Yerbia, unfortunately, they put in more sparks of Kedusha. So Jews had to go back to collect those sparks of Kedusha. So in other words, if you want to know, were we allowed to go back? No. But once they went back, so then more people had to go back because there was more business to do. We had we had completed our business in Egypt. The problem is once more Jews went back, unrightfully, so now we have unfinished business still in the land of Egypt. By the way, uh, the story goes, how did the Rambam get, well, how did he come uh, end up get, going back to Egypt? So one day on the Yom Tov of Sukkot, this is reported in the Sefer Divrei Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Sambari, and who was Nifter in Egypt in Tav Samach Gimel, in 1703, he brings a sipar, he brings a story that the Rambam was walking outside one day uh, with his lulav and esrog in his hand, and the king of Spain began to mock him. He said, well, what are you doing? Why are you... Uh, according yourself with these inane, foolish practices. And the Rambam says, this is not a foolish practice. Like the minog of the Mishugayim to stone, but this is the minog of the Torah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the minog of Yushalayim. 
And the Rambam was uh, intending to say, look, we don't do the foolish practice of throwing the stones like the Yishma'ilim. And the king did not pay attention. But then he asked his advisors what the Rambam meant. And they said, well, the Rambam was mocking our religion. The Rambam was mocking our services. And uh, he, they, they sort of incited the king. How could you tolerate what the Rambam said? And because of that, the Rambam's life was in danger. And he had to run away. And ultimately, he came to the land of Egypt. Now, as we mentioned, Marv Rabbi the Rambam signed his name as reported by Ravashturi Haparchi Ha'oiver B'chalyoim Shloy Sholavin. Comes Rav Ruvain Margolius, Mesechta Sanhedrin, Chaf Aleph Amar He brings this report of the Kaft of Eferach that the Rambam signed his name, who violates every day three Lavin, but says the Margosiam, who by the way was a, was a great collector as well. He had the world's largest collection of Gedolim pictures. He says, we have never found in any one of the Rambam's letters that he signed his name this way. Furthermore, it doesn't even make sense that he would sign his name. He violates three lavin a day. There aren't three lavin. There aren't three lavin. The one lav is repeated in the Torah three times. The first time is only narrative. The second time is rebuke. So it's not that there are three lavin, it's just reiterated three times. Furthermore, says the Margolis Hayam, you think the Rambam would try to exaggerate how uh, the, his crime, that he was adding chatom that he never violated? So therefore, the Margolis Hayam says, it's very nice that Rabbeinu Shmuel, a descendant of the Rambam, reported that his grandfather signed this way, but this is what we call it has no credibility, no reliability. It's just a legend, but it never happened like most stories. And therefore, we cannot rely on the fact the Rambam had nine heterim he could have relied on. And this report that the Rambam says he signed off this way, By the way, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, in his Hagois on Kafter Vaferach, he also says, there's no reason that the Rambam would explicate his sin for no reason. Then what's the Rambam trying to do? He's trying to tell people, Hey guys, I violate three lav in a day and I haven't been struck down by lightning, so come join me down here in Egypt. Nothing will happen to you either. I mean, why would the Rambam write that he violates every single day three lav in? What, what cover does that bring to the Torah attack of Baruch Hu? However, other G'daylam in the Hagois of he brings that the derech of uh, tzaddikim we find from David HaMelech, there's a concept, never to lose focus on your sins, never to lose focus on your averos. And there is no doubt that the Rambam may have signed off this way. He, he may have had a heter, to remain there because he was an oinus, but that doesn't make it that he wasn't violating three lav in a day. So, uh, the opinion of the Ratzah Chentov, the Rambam would sign his uh, name off that way. And by the way, the Stechemed, he brings that 
the from from the Yishrei Lev that he said, I don't believe the Rambam would sign off his name Ha'ever Behelavin. It's a made up story. And the Stechemet says the Mechilas Kvay Karasa, the reason why he thinks it's a made up story is because he didn't know that the Kafter of Aferach met the descendant of the Rambam who said that the Rambam signed his name off that way. But if he would have known this first hand information, then he too would have uh, uh, consented that the Rambam in fact did sign off his name this way. By the way, the Tzitzel Yezer in Chelek Yedalet, Sun Pezayin, Oishei, Vav Zayin, he brings that in fact it is reasonable to assume the Rambam signed off this way. You know why? Really, the Rambam relied on the heter of the Ritva, that it's only Asr to live in Egypt when Klai Yisrael rules Eretz Yisrael. So how could you leave Eretz Yisrael to, leave, to live in Ervas Haaretz? So why would the Rambam say, I violate every day three laven? What he meant is like this. There is, bad, there is a heter to live in Egypt. Why? Because we don't control Eretz Yisrael. But that doesn't mean the lavin are not there. The lavin are there. What pushes them away? The fact that we don't control Eretz Yisrael. So the Rambam wrote it. Ki'ilu, he's being misoinen, and he's groaning and moaning. Achin vai, that we're in the Golos, and the only reason why these lavin are not in effect is because we don't control our Tzeno HaKadosha. So the Rambam wasn't trying to say he's actually violating the three lavin. What he's saying is that inherently the three lavin are present, and there's nothing really that pushes them off other than the terrible state that we're in, that we're in the Golas. And then the Tzitz Eliezer says, a whopper of a Chiddush. Says the Tzitz Eliezer, if the main heter to live in Egypt is because we don't control Eretz Yisrael, so once we don't control Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to live, um, you're allowed to live in Egypt the same way you're allowed to live in Chutzah Eretz, says the Tzitzel Yezer. But nowadays, that we have Eretz Yisrael under our control, and a Jew anywhere in the world is able to return to the Holy Land, whether you like the government or not, Eretz Yisrael halachically, in all probability, has a status that it's within the control of the Jewish people. And then we have to be concerned that the heter to live in Egypt no longer applies. When we don't control Eretz Yisrael, Egypt is like any other country. And the same way you're allowed to live in Chutzaret, you're allowed to live in Egypt. But nowadays that Eretz is in our control, it could be, although you can live in Chutzaret, you can no longer live in Egypt, concludes the Tzitzel Now I'm going to conclude by sticking in my two cents. And I also want to uh, fulfill my promise to you that I told you I'm going to tell you about a mitzvah that you never heard of. Regarding whether the Rambam signed his name, Ha'oiver B'choyim Shloishalavin. And that is, there's a very interesting phenomenon. The Rambam in the Kesef Mishnah and Hilchas Tefillin talks about how regarding the order of the Parshiyos, that he originally had one opinion of what the order of the Parshiyos should be, and that was the tefillin he had in the West. And there was a chibur written by Rabbi Moshe Bar Maimon of Kortova. This is what the Rambam 
writes, quoted by the Kesem Mishin Hechaz Tefillin. So the Rambam is quoting somebody with his exact name, Rabbi Moshe Bar Maimon of Kortova. And it says the Rambam, that compilation that Rabbi Moshe Bar Maimon wrote tricked me and tricked all the sages of the West before me. And even Rabbi Yitzchak held like him. And Rabbi Yaakov Kili, that's what he did. And there was a big machlaikas. And all the sages of the East in Eretz Yisrael argued. And they opened up the tefillin of Rabbeinu Haigoin. And it turned out to be a different type. In Ramosha Deri, when he came from the West to Eretz Yisrael, his tefillin were like your place. And when I showed him the Goyim HaKamayim, he took his tefillin and he threw it out. He threw it into Shemus. Bottom line is, the Rambam, Rabbeinu Moshe Rambam, is writing about another man who had the same name, who's called Rabbeinu Moshe Bar Maimon of Kortova. By the way, amazingly, the Chida in the Shem Hagadolim, he brings that I heard a story that in the city of Fez, the Yishmaelim wanted to burn the Rambam because of certain psak that the Rambam gave that was embarrassing for them. And the Rambam was saved by uttering various names of Hashem and different miracles that happened to him. And that happened in the year 1438. 1438. The Rambam lived hundreds of years before that. Says the Chidah must be that that was a different Rambam. The miracles happened to someone, the Rambam of Fez. There was somebody by the name of the Rambam of Fez. He's called the Rambam El Fasi. The Rambam who wrote the Yad Chazaka, he's called Rambam Asfardi. And don't be surprised that there were two Rambams, because even in the times of the Rambam, there was another Rambam, the Rambam of Kortova, like the Kesef Mishnah writes. So there were three Rambams. There was Rabbeinu Moshe Bar Maimon, the author of Yad HaChazaka. There's Rabbeinu Moshe Bar Maimon of Kortova, who's a contemporary of the Rambam, the author of the Yad HaChazaka. And then a few hundred years later, there's the Rambam Ho'alfasi. So even if the Rambam supposedly signed his name, Ho'ever B'chalyam we don't even know which Rambam that was. Okay, now we're ready for the grand finale. The Sefer Oitzer Ploy Satyra, and I was never able to find it until this morning. He says it's only Usr to live permanently in Mitzrayim. But you're allowed to do business there. So now the question is, are you allowed to go on a tour to Egypt? Because that's the million dollar question. That's the question I know you all wanted to know about. And the answer is, the Chassam Sefer says, not only are you allowed to go on a tour to Egypt, you should go to Egypt. It's a mitzvah to go to Egypt. And the biggest tzaddikim in history made it their business to go to Egypt. The Chassam Soifer writes, I found it this morning in two places in the Chassam Soifer. It says, The righteous frequently went to Egypt. By the way, last year, on my way to Turkey, I saw a group of Hasidim. I said, where are you going? Going to Turkey? No, we're going to Egypt. I said, Egypt? Who goes to Egypt? He says, we go there every year. During the parashah, it's Va'era, Ba'i to relive Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. 
Look at the Chassam Soifer. He says, Sadiqim frequently went to Egypt to see the places that miracles happened to the Jewish people and where they crossed the Yamsef and to make the bracha of Sha'asa Lanu, Sha'asa Nesaviseno Bamakam Hazan. By the way, Chassam Soifer writes that La'asa Lavoy, when we conquer Mitzrayim, it will be holy like Eretz Yisrael, and it will ha- be a mitzvah to live there. And one will be Mekayim in the midst of Yishev Eretz Yisrael, even by living in Mitzrayim. So the bottom line is, future trip, we're going to have to visit Egypt, but that's not the the most recent upcoming trip. As a Hashem, next trip will be in the summer, July 10th to July 17th. You could join us we're going to, in the footsteps of the Chachmei Sefarad, of the Rambam, and the Rif, to Spain, to Amsterdam, and to Portugal. But one day maybe we'll have this chus also to visit Pihachirais, the place of Ramses, Sukais, and all the Mekaymais that Kadesh Baruch Hu made, Nisim, Beneflois, Labeseno. Okay, Mara Boisai, I thank you for your... Uh, kind attention this morning. I wish you all bracha v'atzlacha. Have a wonderful day.